Welcome everyone to the very first episode of Financially Turbulent. I know we talked about starting this podcast well over two months ago, but as you understand, we're brown and within the brown community, usually around the summer to autumn time, it's a bunch of family events and weddings packed together. And now we finally have some time to get together and uh, chat with you guys. So we're super excited. This is going to be an introductory episode on why we are starting this and who we are and perhaps why you should listen to us. So without a further ado, I'm Harmon here and my friend Cover will go ahead and start introducing himself and what he does. Thank you so much, Harmon. Yes, I mean, finally, after about two months of waiting, we're here. This is the first episode. It's going to do a little brief introduction about myself, you know. Kind of backstory, myself and Harmon here, we go back a long way. We've been friends since grade four. We've actually been roommates in university as well for four years. So we went to Brock University together, as many of you may know. Uh, just a little bit into myself. Uh, I do currently work as a trade analyst at one of the leading banks here. Um, we'll get into more detail, obviously, with future uh, podcasts coming out, future episodes. And Harmon, like, give us a brief introduction about yourself. What do you do? And uh, like, give us some more information. Come on. So I'm here in Ontario. I'm a licensed real estate agent within the province of Ontario, but I do sell real estate in Alberta and other provinces as well. And I've been in this industry for the last three years. And over that time, I've been able to help a couple dozen families and first time homebuyers get into their very first properties. And uh, we'll discuss a little bit about how this career has given me opportunities and how you can perhaps get into the industry as well as well as covers uh industry so i know a lot of you guys asked hey why did you name the podcast financially turbulent so for that i do believe cover is going to give you a very nice introduction to that name for sure Harmon. i mean yeah this name speaks for itself right financially turbulent if you look around us we're all going through turbulent times um it be financially emotionally i mean, mentally as well because there's always that stress of of money right so being in a time where we have rising interest rates rising inflation rising housing prices you need to make some key financial decisions to set yourself apart from others that are lacking in terms of making poor financial decisions the name speaks for itself obviously um we will get into further discussion as to how you can help yourself and set up a financially secure future uh buying the right tools or right assets that, that will allow you to earn comp so certain terms such as compounding interest dividends to better yourself and harman you have anything to add on there well for the most part you covered it all but one thing i will add is that I mean, where this podcast is meant to be a conversation between not only us, but you, the audience. Ultimately, we're two individuals in our mid-20s as well. And as we learn new things and we conquer new challenges in our life, we hope that we can share some of that knowledge with you. So perhaps some of you that are in your early 20s and maybe in your 30s and 40s, some of the key components of the finances that come with the uh, being an adult we're here to help you guide you through those challenges so i know i just recently became a homeowner and my friend here is also in the process of becoming a homeowner in the next one year or so 
And this is something that comes with a lot of challenges. It comes with a lot of pre-qualifications and a lot of people aren't aware of those challenges. And I being in the real estate industry myself and my friend here being in the stocks industry, I think we cover about 80% of the financial challenges and investment related challenges you will incur over the next, let's say, couple years in your life. So hopefully the things we discuss, the challenges we face, we're able to make that experience a little bit easier for you so you don't have to go through the troubles we do. And also just to add on there as well, Harmon, you know, another thing, as Harmon said before, we do have our social media where you can actually reach out to us with any questions or concerns you guys may have or certain topics you want us to look into or discuss. And, and we can still go over those, right? Um, as, as he said, this is just an open forum discussion, having obviously topics that we would like to discuss, but also we're giving you guys the opportunity to, you know, present some topics to us so we can actually do our homework, come back with our findings and use our knowledge and lay out our point of view for you guys. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we don't know everything. We're learning every single day. And I hope that's true for you as well. But uh, I'll get started by asking, how did you get into the current career path you're in right now, Cover? For sure. Most definitely. Thank you for that question, Harmon. Uh, just to give you guys a little bit of an insight. Um, so my father used to trade foreign exchange and stocks. At the time I was eight when I first discovered it. I just wanted to get to know a little bit more about it. Obviously, being eight, you don't really care at the time, nor is it that interesting to you. Uh, it wasn't until 12, 13 where I really started you know, digging into the stock market, just getting to know a little bit more about how the markets work. And that's really kind of what got my gears turning. And at the age of uh, 15, 16, when I knew you know, what I wanted to do in grade 11 and 12, I took on my business courses, got a better understanding that, hey, this is my field. This is where I see myself um, you know, excelling in my career, building a, a career out of this uh, particular field. And then I took on the, oh, sorry, not took on. I went to Brock University to do my undergrad in finance. And right out of school, I knew that I wanted to go work in the financial sector, more preferably within the capital markets. That's currently where I am. But just to kind of get to that level, I had to take certain prerequisite courses, such as the Canadian Securities course. And also on top of that, I did also complete the uh, Conduct and Practices Handbook course, which allowed me to become a licensed trader here in Canada. Um, there's not many of us here, but it's a good thing to have under your name for sure, if, if that's the route you want to take. And uh, f after working for CIBC Mellon, I decided to move careers to a leading bank here. Um, just don't want to name it yet. <laughs> we'll get to that in a future episode. Um, and then now currently in my position of a trade analyst, I did have to uh, undergo a derivatives financial options licensing course, which I did complete as well with the uh, flying colors. <laughs> and yeah, this is where I am now. Armin, let's just uh, kind of flip back onto you. How did you get into real estate? You know, what got you interested? What really kind of turned your gears towards real estate after going to Brock University and doing your undergrad as well? Yeah, so as Cover mentioned initially that both of us were roommates <laughs> at Brock University as well. And we've known each other for a better part of 15 years at this point. It's quite a long time, right? And uh, I actually started my undergrad about a year later compared to Cover. And originally I came into the finance field as well but near the end of my studies i switched it over to information systems because i kind of felt like i was better at creating 
systems and processes rather than focusing more so on the finance side. Mm -hmm. Finance is definitely a passion for me, but I didn't really want to go towards the stock side like my friend did here. So after university, I worked as a financial analyst for FedEx uh, at their FedEx Express headquarters. And I also worked as a corporate services associate with the Ministry of Transportation. And thankfully, that was a job that I was able to get during COVID when a lot of people were facing um, termination from their jobs. But uh, the cons of the job ended up being that it was entirely remote. I know you definitely enjoy oh, yeah. remote work, <laughs> and I did too for the longest part. But uh, over time, I felt like that my skills and my my desires weren't necessarily being met in the role that I was currently in. So during 2021, I decided to pursue real estate full time, and I've been here ever since. That's amazing. Yeah, I know when the first time Harmon told me that he was going to pursue real estate full time, I had a lot of questions. You know, I wanted to know why, simply because we're in, we're in an area, obviously, around the GTA where the market is so diluted with a lot of realtors, a lot of competition. And yeah, I mean, I'll just kind of take that question here. Harmon, why did you do real estate looking around, you know, having about 90,000 realtors just in Ontario alone? I mean, real estate on its own is like any other career, right? It's very well saturated. And just like business, even finance, I would say the barrier to entry for real estate is quite low. You can easily get licensed at least within Ontario within about six months or so. But the toughest challenge comes with your time management, your salesmanship, and of course, overall your business etiquette, right? So the reason why I personally wanted to get into real estate was for me to have that one-on-one -on -one connection with the people I meet on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's something I was unfortunately lacking in my previous role before I decided to take the leap. Now, it was a very scary leap because unlike, let's say, a, a job where you're getting a firm salary on a monthly basis, you know exactly how much you're going to be earning. Mm -hmm. With real estate, you could have some extreme dry periods. So it really translates what you put in versus what you get out. So what I mean by that is oftentimes you can put in a lot of work into real estate, but depending how the market is, you might not make a lot of money. But granted, you keep consistent. There's no ceiling to how much you can earn in real estate. Now, that's a lot of that's one of the main factors a lot of people come into real estate because they think it's easy money but in a market like we're facing right now it's truly when you understand why realtors are there and uh, truly people that care about helping people are the ones that stay in the mark in a tough market like this and for me it was mainly about educating young individuals like myself because i saw there was a gap within the market most of the realtors like you mentioned there's 90,000 realtors in the GTA, but unfortunately, most of them are either in their late 30s, 40s, 50s. They've been in the industry for a while and they mainly work with investors and let's say people that already have money. So when I came into real estate, I wanted to focus on providing value and providing education to a lot of individuals that are in their 20s because how we're going to acquire our homes over the next 10 years is vastly different compared to how people did so 10 years ago.
You're right. I do believe in the 2008s and 2010s, you were able to get zero down financing. We don't have anything like that anymore. <laughs> but with the prices of the homes right now, it's crazy. So you really need a plan. And I'm here to educate all the younger individuals. And I know you are too when it comes to your investments and getting people into the investment side. So For why sure. don't you tell people a little bit about why you're so passionate about <laughs> stocks. For sure, most definitely, Armin. Thank, Thank you so, so much for just, you know, going over how you got here and why you chose your particular field. Um, yeah, just as Harmon said, you know, being in the industry, obviously, I'm no expert as I'm still learning, doing my courses, of course. Um, but yeah, being in the industry, I do have, I guess, an edge or, or more knowledge in the field itself. And some numbers that excite me are things that, you know, I want to share with others that can help you get financially secure will be, as I mentioned, certain terms such as compounding interest, you know, investing in a dividend stocks, building growth portfolios, just to name a few, of course, we'll get into more details as we go forward. But hey, every single dollar not invested is, is, is a dollar wasted in my opinion, you know? You really wanna invest your money so it goes for you in the future. So when you're approaching retirement or when you're approaching a major milestone as buying a home goes or even buying a car, you know, you want to be financially secure. You want to be able to make those decisions a little more freely. You don't want to be hand to mouth um, or scrambling for money when those major purchases come around. Yeah, definitely. So in the case for, let's say, your career, what mm -hmm. would you say are the typical paths? Let's say if one of the younger individuals sure. want to pursue working for a bank either on the retail or corporate side. Mm -hmm. I know you're working for one of the one of the major five banks here in Canada. So what was it like um, getting your step, uh, sorry, getting your foot in the door for such a big bank? For sure, yes. Um, many of you may have even heard this before, but getting your foot in the door for a bank at a bank, you do need to acquire either the CSC, which is the Canadian Securities course, or the IFIC, which is the Investment Fund Industry course in Canada. Um, those are the two basic courses, obviously, the CSC is a um, a better course in terms of credentials. It does set you apart from someone that's just done their IFIC. So CSC just being the basic entry-level course would get you positions at a retail branch, such as a bank teller or a mutual funds advisor, or just, uh, just an FSR, which is a financial services representative. Of course, if you wanted to go into the more back end of things or just be on the corporate side, uh, you'd want to look into uh, pairing the CSC up with additional courses like I did with the CPH being the conduct and practice handbook, which allowed me to become a trader. Uh, but there's other individuals out there that would pursue courses such as um, the WME, which is the wealth management's essential course, which them, which would allow them to go into the investment advisor um, sort of uh, field of uh, work. And then, so there's, there's a career map on the Canadian Securities Institute, the CSI website, which gives you an overview of the financial sector, uh, primarily to do with banking and the different types of positions you could hold with, with the number of courses that they have to offer. And they're the only institute currently within Canada that offer courses that directly allow you to work at a bank. And I believe, uh, especially for CSC, they have a roadmap set up on their website, correct? That's a good thing, Mr. Harmon. Yes, they do have a roadmap. Um, so it ranges from over 100 career options that you can click on. And then as the moment you click on the career option, it actually portrays a full map of courses, 
uh, the length of those courses and the passing marks that you would require to get to that end level position. Yeah. And obviously industry experience does get counted as well. So it does give you an overview of what positions may count towards that final end goal that you may have. Makes sense. So when it comes to, let's say your career, what are some of the challenges you face on your job on a daily basis? Hmm. What would you say are some of the things you enjoy? And what would you say are some things maybe someone that wants to get into a career like yours should keep in mind when they're pursuing the, this path pretty much for sure yeah um all right just kind of starting off with the first question where you know you said what should what's what's kind of the fun things i like about being in this particular role i like how it's well numbers driven obviously when you're in finance you want to be working with numbers the last thing you want to be doing is is just desk work right yeah so yeah working with numbers just just looking doing analysis on different clients working with different advisors and every single day is not the same I know it, it kind of goes in hand with your field as well. Yeah, not every single client is the same. Exactly. So just kind of having a different day every single day, it's something I look forward to. You know, it, get, it, it wants me, it makes me excited to go to work and, and you know, go online. Because I say go online because I work from home. Yeah. <laughs> but go online and obviously. One you know, of the perks. <laughs> that's one of the perks, obviously, being a, a remote worker. But yeah, so that's something that I really enjoy about being in this particular sector. And then for someone that's not, I'm sorry, there was another question you said for someone that's... So what are some to... things that uh, mm -hmm. someone that's looking to get into this yeah. field should keep in mind? Mm -hmm. um, perhaps it's uh, something you don't necessarily enjoy about <laughs> the industry or field. For sure, yeah. So as Harmon did say earlier, it is a very competitive market. So you do need to have an edge. Um, so something I did to kind of make myself stand out was I pursued my CSI course relatively early i hope you remember yeah. second year of university I mean, pretty much yeah second year of university he was already churning through a couple of the cse courses and i know at some point you were also thinking about pursuing your cfa but uh you decided oh, yes. not to pursue that because the path that you were going towards it didn't really need it mm -hmm, so you right. decided for some alternative courses instead. right on right on harman you yeah, <laughs> i don't know how you remember all these stories, stories eh? yeah all right so he's right um so the csc i took on in the second year of university because i knew right out of right off the bat that as soon as i finished university i'm aiming for the big banks or at least a uh, a smaller bank or a bank that has a partnership with one of the major banks um so doing my csc in the second year of university and completing it by the third year was kind of my timeline. And as soon as I graduated, I remember I graduated in 2019, December. Um, and in January, I was already enrolled in the CPH. I know a lot of people tend to wait for that job opportunity where the employer would pay for your course. But in the grand scheme of things, $1,000, $2,000 isn't really going to hurt if it's for your future. You know, yeah. if it's if it's something you're going to go and spend on maybe a car part because you like building a car yeah. or you're going to go to Gucci or Louis Vuitton and buy something. It's really it, it might make you feel better in terms of self-esteem because you feel cool wearing it. But is it really helping you in terms of, uh, you know, your career or, or your future? So that's kind of how I took it. I just paid out of pocket and I was like, let me get this out of the way before I even landed my job with the bank I'm currently with. I was already licensed. I just had to do an in-house exam, obviously, for uh, getting my trader's license, which is just a basic requirement. Uh, but I have my CSC and CPH cleared out of the way. And something I don't like, as another question I just want to go back to, because he did obviously ask me that. Something I don't like is the long hours during tax season. 
and I know that's coming for me now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be that time where, you know, you're working even 10, 11 hours a day. It's just part of the industry itself. A lot of the jobs in the financial sector, they say it's nine to five, you're going to be doing eight hours. But there is that requirement, of course, of, of certain days or certain weeks where you will be putting in 10 plus hours. Yeah. And I quickly want to go back to one of the key things you mentioned. I know a lot of individuals are young like us. Mm -hmm. They're in their 20s. Maybe there's a couple of individuals that are in their 30s that are now looking for a career change. And like you mentioned that rather than waiting for a company to pay for your education, you decided to make that initial investment yourself because sometimes you really do have to analyze that opportunity cost because that thousand dollars that you ended up spending early on probably ended up helping you get a job that paid you 10 or $20,000 extra compared to mm -hmm. going through that cycle of working for a couple employers, right? Right on. So that's something you really do have to look into. I know some people want to pursue their masters. That's something I kind of tell people that, okay, maybe you should get a job and see <laughs> if they have an incentive for that. But, uh, Quick courses like CSC or any other like that where you have an initial investment of around $1,000, $2,000, I think they're very well worth paying out of pocket because then that gives you a, a certification that you can then show to an, a, an employer and let them know that, hey, you understand the topics that you're discussing and that the job requires. Exactly. And that's what's going to set you apart, right? If you're going to compare two people, one with a CSC and one without applying for a job that's going to be at the same level, I can bet you nine times out of 10, the individual with the CSC would get that particular position. Exactly. And it's not even just regarding the CSC. It's any certification that's relevant to your field. Mm -hmm. I know one of our friends is pursuing a PMP at this point in time. That especially mm -hmm. is going to help him in his role as a project manager down the line. So... It's anything that will give you an edge compared to the competition, because in this day and age, everyone has a degree now, including myself, you <laughs> exactly. do. Every single person you talk to has gone to university. But what truly sets them apart is the additional certification, the extracurricular related to the career path that they're pursuing. Exactly. Any course in the field or the industry that you're currently in, if you pursue it's not going to hurt you. It's only going to benefit you, benefit you in the long run. Exactly. So I think that pretty much, do you have anything additional to add about you? I'm good. Career? I just got a question for you, Harmon. I wanted to ask you, you know, as, as a realtor, someone that has to build their own schedules, make their own appointments with clients or for client appointments, such as, you know, taking them for showings, buyer showings and the whatnots. Uh, meeting a mortgage agent, for example, mm -hmm. what's what's kind of what's kind of a day to day for you like and what do you like about this field? I know you kind of touched on that already, helping yeah. everybody uh, that's kind of your age or people that are older than you or younger than you, pointing them in the right direction. Um, what's something you dislike as an agent or put some, put some more uh, need some more information on that? So for real estate, the biggest challenge and what I don't like about real estate is partly what I also do like about real estate as well. It's kind of a double-edged sword because when you're a business, which is what you are as a realtor, you're accountable to yourself. You're mm. accountable to your business. So while it gives you the freedom to not have set hours, not have commitments like everyone else, that hey, I need to be at work at 9 a.m., I need to leave work at 5, and I have to do that for sure, otherwise my pay is getting docked. 
real estate's really about what you put in. The more work you put in, chances are you'll get a better outcome, right? Mm -hmm. But what that also comes with is that you have to be accountable to yourself. So oftentimes, it's very easy to get sidetracked as yeah. a realtor. <laughs> you could be like, okay, hey, I don't want to work today. You don't make those calls that you need to make on a daily basis. You don't have the conversations that you need because ultimately that's what gets you more connections. And then you can potentially get a new client out of that, right? And who knows, maybe six months, one year, five years, six years down the line, that individual that you met today could end up leading into a deal. And that's ultimately how you earn money as a realtor, right? Mm -hmm. If I don't provide you value, I don't provide you uh, enough information to make a house and for you to feel comfortable enough to work with me, I don't eat. You're right. Right. So with real estate, it's great to have the freedom, but uh, the challenge every day for me and enough for a lot of realtors is mainly mm -hmm. Getting to work on a daily basis, making sure you're making the calls, making sure you're keeping accountable. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of different things that you have to manage as a realtor because you're a business, right? right. Not only do I have to make the calls, I have to make sure my deals are on track. All the admin work is kept in, uh, in good order. All the um, future planning, let's say if I'm working with the real estate uh, builders, I have to make sure I'm meeting with them on a regular basis, learning about the market. I have to keep my marketing in order because unless people know about me, mm -hmm. no one's really going to feel comfortable enough working with me. And with the addition of social media, as much as it's made things a little bit easier, it's also made them more challenging because that's another avenue you now have to take care of. Not only do I have to be good at being a salesperson and being a personable individual, I now have to be good at marketing and social media right right so it's a lot of uh, hats that you're technically wearing when you're a real estate agent but granted you put in the work it's a very very lucrative industry to be in i know there's a lot of competition but the key thing to keep in mind is if there's ninety thousand agents here in the gta or in ontario more than 50 percent of them are not doing a deal because they're simply not accountable to themselves Right. right. I'm thankful enough to be in probably part of the top 5% over the last three years. So hopefully I'm getting into that top 1% as well. That's some good news. And that's a lot of good takeaways that you've provided for, you know, someone that's looking to uh, enter the real estate field or at least has an interest in real estate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know it's a lot of people get attracted to the money. And that was definitely the case for me to an extent. But being exposed to real estate through my family and through your family, I know we have a very investor-focused family. So our parents have been real estate investing for a very, very long time. So I thankfully had that exposure. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was more about educating the younger generation that didn't have that kind of privilege, so to say, right? So that was the key motivator for me. But I know a lot of younger individuals, they see the realtors with the great cars. <laughs> they see them right. with uh, the fancy houses, watches, suits. And that's definitely true. But you have to keep in mind, not all of those realtors make it. And the realtors that do have it, it took them five, six years to build a proper business. Because like I mentioned, as a real estate agent, you're a business, right? 
And it took them a while to get to that point where they can finally enjoy their money. Because with real estate, you don't have a, a, a set paycheck that you get, right? A lot of people will see the big twenty, thirty thousand dollar paychecks, but you have to keep in mind if you sell a house today, you don't get paid for it until the house closes, which can be two months, six months, eight months, sometimes one year from the time you sold the house. Mm -hmm. And even before that, you don't know how long it took to actually convert the person into a client that yes, bought the house. Right. Sometimes that's a journey for five years, sometimes. That's a journey for a week. So there's a lot of variability. But like I mentioned, the more work you put in, the better your chances become. That's really good what you say. Yeah, you're right. With your industry, it's more like prospecting to turn someone, you know, that's just a stranger maybe or a door or a cold call or a door knock into an actual client. Yeah. And then, you know, showing them properties, which could be maybe a month or just a day. Who knows, right? And then finally converting that into an actual deal. You're right. With, with your industry, it's a little hard. People get attracted to the money. They see these, uh, you know, realtors driving in fancy cars, the BMWs, the Benzes. But they really don't understand the hard work that goes behind getting to where they are. Yeah. So it's a really good point that you, you kind of point there, Armin. I mean, it's one thing I always take the time and appreciate any kind of job someone's doing, right? Mm -hmm. Because as a third party, it's often easy to assume that, and other person's having an easy job, right? right? I know some people talk to you. They're probably like, hey, you work remote. You maybe answers emails <laughs> here and there. And the rest of the day, you're chilling, right? But mm -hmm. only you know how, how much work it took to get to that level. And what kind of stresses you have to deal with. And the fires you have to put out on your job. Exactly. Right? So I, it's my personal goal to always appreciate the work the other individual is doing. And it's kind of the same with all all industries, I would say. It's not just real estate. Uh, even if you're starting out in, in a nine to five in a corporate environment, you're not going to get the first job that's going to pay you those six figures, right? Yeah. That's kind of what the goal is for someone that's in their early 20s to get there before 25. But it, it's really just taking those steps now to get to where you want to be before you hit that that age mark. For example, you know, if it's 25 for you, maybe it's 30 for you. So it's really just kind of laying out your foundation now to get to where you want to be. And then you get to reap the rewards of all the hard work you've put in. Yeah, for sure. So in this case, uh, why don't we go ahead and discuss a little bit about what the ultimate goal is for this podcast. For sure. And uh, what we're looking to uh, do pretty much. And You're right. So this is more like a financial journey for, for both of us, of course, you know, yeah. sharing and our you. insights and, and you guys you. as well. So that's kind of where it goes back to what Harmon said earlier. It's going to be more of a discussion of a topic that we will discuss prior to, obviously, you know, um, we work on our agendas, obviously, and get, get down to the topics we want to discuss. Yeah. And we'll be also taking in any questions that you guys may have. Originally starting off with more like a Q&A. Uh, maybe the last 10 minutes of the podcast would be a Q&A where we'll focus on any questions you guys have. Eventually, we'll be shifting focus towards um, taking certain topics that you guys may have and then basing our whole episode around those particular topics. Yeah, so I know, like I mentioned before, I think we have a very good understanding of what's going to happen on a day-to-day -day basis, at least in the Canadian economy. And... To an extent, the global economy as well, right? Because you understand it from the uh, the stock market perspective, which is global. And I also understand it from the real estate market. And having a background in technology, I have a very good 
perspective from the tech side as well. I know that influences mm-hmm. a lot of new things here in Canada and worldwide right now. So we'll have a couple of topics that we'll discuss over the next couple of weeks. And then hopefully we'll get some questions from you too. And though who knows, they can turn into full-time discussions as well. So from time to time, we'll have some new guests that we think are doing some amazing things either here locally or even, uh, let's say, from other provinces and internationally. It just depends on how the the environment ends up being. The right? timing and the environment. Exactly. Yes. As, as Harman said, internationally. So getting a hold of someone that's on the other part of the world is not super easy. But yes, we'll definitely make it happen in future topics. And another thing Harman said, I just want to add on to is, is the global economy is always changing. So there's obviously going to be topics of discussions that will come up mm-hmm. as the world around us changes. And, you know, that's going to be something we'll focus on as well. Current economic affairs, political affairs as well will be another topic, you know, we touch upon here and there. Yeah, well, that's amazing. So now I guess hope you guys had some fun discussing and listening to us. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next one, which will hopefully be in about a week. So stay tuned and uh, thank you for listening to Turbulent Talks by Financially Turbulent. Take care.